Um, how many have enjoyed this series? It is my favorite series because it's the only series I've ever preached. But, <laughs> but I'm sure if I'd preached others, I'd be just as excited about uh, this one. Uh, but I love discipleship. I love people taking next steps. And I mentioned last week we've seen so many of you guys take big steps forward and join life groups and register to be baptized next week. If you haven't already and that's a next step for you, next week in service, it's going to be a cool service unlike anything we've ever done. You want to be here because we're going to baptize right here. Not in the cold. <laughs> okay? You're welcome. Uh, we're going to baptize right here in service as we worship together. And there's some extra things that are kind of surprises that we're going to do next week. It'll be unlike anything you've ever seen, okay? But I'm going to build the suspense and leave you hanging because uh, we're, going to, we're going to share God's word in a different way next week. I'll put it that way. But I want you to be here. And if you haven't taken the next step of water baptism, don't be you know, worried about the cold you know, or anything else. But know that um, you can participate next weekend, even if you make a decision in the service, we'll have the ability to take care of you. But obviously, if you want to prepare yourself ahead of time, we want to follow Jesus' example in water baptism. It's something that Jesus did. And if Jesus did it, it's good enough for me. Amen. Some of you have shared really amazing testimonies that you've seen radical change in your life over the course of even this really difficult year. And sometimes people just want to, uh, to get a fresh start. And they want to put you know, they may have got baptized when you were younger, uh, but they just want to say, you know what, I'm drawing a line right here. I'm going to put my old man underwater, and I'm going to move forward with Jesus. And so if that's you, uh, don't feel like if you've been baptized, you can't be again. Um, sometimes you have to do it two or three times for it to take. You know, that's okay. Um, but I, I'm one of those, so I can say that in all sincerity. But we're talking about taking next steps and growing in our relationship with God in this series. And so uh, we, I've mentioned uh, every week three tools that we're using to kind of navigate this series. Uh, the first is, is the uh, next steps path. And so we put together a little video to show you what the roadmap kind of looks like of, of obvious next steps you can take. And so if you've missed that, pay attention to the screens real quick and I'll be right back with you. Each of our lives are journeys. Every day we make decisions that will shape who we will become. Our faith is that way too. This journey of following Jesus happens step by step. While we know that journey will look differently for everyone, we have created what we call the Next Steps Path. This is not a comprehensive map, but a guide, and we are here to help you every step of the way. Through its nine steps, its only goal is to answer our favorite question. What's your next step? Let's start at the beginning. Start Here includes the foundational steps in your journey to follow Jesus fully. It includes salvation, water baptism, developing a daily devotional, and inviting someone. Each of these are steps you can take today and every weekend at Pathway. Get Connected is where the fun happens. Whether you are brand new to church, have been following Jesus forever, or looking for something different, there is a way for you to get connected at Pathway through our worship, prayer, student, and kids' experiences. There is something for everyone. The best way to discover more about our church, our vision, and your place in it is by attending First Step. We know that God has made you on purpose for a purpose. At First Step, you will discover our story, your giftings, and your place in our mission of connecting people to purpose. Next, our value Be Generous is up. Start giving, live generously, and discover your financial next steps. We believe that when you give, you are making a difference in someone's life, and we believe there is no better investment. But we're not done yet. We know that life is better together, and that's why we want everyone to get into a life group. Your community has the potential to change your life forever. Discover our life groups and find your crew today. This is where another one of our values comes into play. We believe that saved people serve people, and we bring that vision to life by joining a serve team. Whether you are handing out high fives at the door or hosting an online experience, we're committed to helping you find a way to serve that best fits you. But there's more to this journey. We all have things from our past that need to be settled for good so that we can live our best life. That's why we want to help you live free. Through our annual Freedom Conference and Freedom-Focused Life Groups, our hope is to help you move past the past you have known and to follow Jesus into your future. Now get ready, because now is your time to shine. We believe that there is leadership potential in every person, and we know that God wants to use that leadership to expand His kingdom at Pathway and beyond. Become a leader at Pathway and help us bring this vision to life. And last is our favorite question. What's your next step? 
We want everyone to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We believe that journey doesn't have a finish line, but is made up of daily decisions, devotions, and actions. Ready to take your next step today? Head over to mypathway.church and click Next Steps Path to discover more and take your next step today. So what I've been saying this whole series, if you're not growing, you're what? Dying. Who wants to die? Nobody here. Who wants to grow? Everybody here. Amen. So the challenge has been, one of the challenges of the series has been to make a decision to grow. And that's what next steps are. And that, that's not an exhaustive list, obviously. That's just some obvious ones that you can take. Um, there are others. I mean, we've had people start ministries and do things outside of the church. That's not just a pathway thing. It's a kingdom thing. Amen. But figure out, we talked about in the series, uh, the series titles here to there. How do we get from here to there? Um, that we have to move. We have to choose to grow, right? And so the second tool we've been using in the series is the uh, Reveal Spiritual Life Survey. And you've heard me talk about that this represented a survey that was taken by a 1,000 churches of all different sizes and shapes and denominations and a quarter of a million people. So 250,000 people took this survey. And what was found is in this survey, all of those people fit into one of these four categories of people. And so we talked about in week one, the Exploring God group. These are people that we have every week in service that are exploring God. They're learning about Jesus. They're trying to figure out what's this, this faith thing all about? What's a relationship in Jesus all about? And we talked about the growth catalyst that moves these people. Again, this is what was found in the survey. There was a movement that happened in people to get them to grow in their relationship to God. If you kind of see this as a path, the, the, the revelation of God's grace, the receiving salvation by grace, not of our works, right? It's nothing we do. We don't earn it. He gives it freely by grace. Then the second group is the beginning in God group. And these, for lack of a better term, maybe are kind of the baby Christians. They're newer in their faith. But they have, they begin this journey of relating to Jesus from here. So we're talking about learning about and relating to Jesus. And in this part, we talked about the, the necessary application of the word of God, that this is our roadmap, and that we've got to decide that God's word is the final authority in our life. And as we do that, we grow to a place of being close to God. And this is looking like Jesus. This is being a disciple of Jesus. We're looking like him. We spent last week talking about this group, and we're going to spend this week talking about the movement from being close to God to God-centered. And what re that requires of us is giving our life away, to be lost in Jesus, from looking like him to being lost in him. And we're going to talk about that today, what that looks like. But this isn't giving financially. You can't buy your way into a relationship with Jesus, right? We're talking about giving of our life, our time, our talent. Our treasure is part of it. But it's just one very small part of a very big picture that we have to surrender our life. And we talked last week about what can choke out the word is the, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, the desire for other things, and tending our soil. And what we're going to see this week is you've seen our wheat spring up overnight, magically. is <laughs> what it looks like to be God-centered and to produce as, as Mark's account in chapter 4 speaks to the 30, 60, 100-fold. If I forget, I just want to make this point at the top to kind of clear up something, a question you may have. Because I think sometimes, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced these dear saints that they get to a place in their faith where they park. And it's like, I've done. I've finished my race, and I'm going to let the youngsters carry it from here, right? There is no such thing. So let's assume that that, that that gentleman is right here, and he really is God-centered, really living for the Lord and giving of himself and growing. What I love about this, this parable and the example it sets is that we could be producing fivefold, and God wants to prosper us to be tenfold, to give out fiftienfold or thirtyfold. We never finish. My point is this is not the end. This is really the beginning. That we have to, when we enter into this place of being lost in Jesus, lost in a relationship with him, we open ourselves up to a brand new journey that's unfettered from the world choking out God's truth and his fruit in our life. But we in, enter into a place of fruitfulness that is, it's a whole other realm. And so I don't want, you know, sometimes those of us that are more task-oriented, like I like checklists, it's like, bam, got that, bam, got that, bam, got that, bam, got that, and I'm done. 
and it just isn't the case. In the kingdom, this is something that we continue forever. There is no retirement in the kingdom. Amen? So the third tool we talked about was just this parable in Mark 4, and we're going to talk about that today. But just again, the, the progression, how this correlates uh, very clearly to this survey, that these are the four groups of people that were identified in the survey. These, in this parable, these are, we talked about there being this kind of misidea, a wrong idea about these three groups of people being bad groups of people, and that there was only one group of good people in this parable. And what did we say? That no, 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 these are all good people. Just like we're talking about in this journey with Jesus, they're all good people at different places in their journey with Jesus. And our responsibility is to know where we are. My challenge to you is figure out where you are. Where am I? Because we can't get to where we're going if we don't first know where we are. We have to know. Um, just like in my theme park example I shared with you, that you have to go in the park and you have to find the little arrow that says, you are here. Um, you can't get to Peter Pan's flight you know, from the Haunted Mansion if you don't know where you are. And so the challenge all series long is for you to, whether you figure it out on week one or not, is to find where you are in these pictures of the soils that we're using in the parable in this survey. Let's be honest about where we are, and let's make a purpose in our heart to move, to grow in our relationship with Jesus. Amen? So... I spoke, you know, I just want to remind you too that what I said was this growth journey, if you will, this path is not a chronology. That just because we age, it doesn't move us along this, this journey, right? That, you know, the idea that you could be uh, in a church 36 years, you know, doesn't make you any more saved or close to God than the 57 year old hymnals in the backs of the pews, right? The, the hymns of glorious praise and the songs we sing. Anybody sing out of those growing up? Okay, um, those would be just as saved or just as close to God than a person sitting in a pew doing nothing. And some, one of the ideologies that we battle in, in the Bible Belt world is that just because I came to church or just because one time I said a prayer that I'm automatically somehow moving along this, this continuum or this journey, and it's just not true, guys. We have to choose to grow. We have to choose Jesus, and then we have to keep choosing him every single day of our life. And that's what this, is, this whole thing has been about, is challenging us. I like a good challenge, do you? So we're going to jump into the word. You know, one of the keys that I really want to remind you of that I've, I've spoken about every week of the series is that if the word of God isn't all that important or necessary, why is the Lord so intentionally trying to get it into our soil and the enemy working so very hard to steal it, to crowd it, or to choke it out. There's a war on our seed. There's a war for our fruit. And we have to recognize that and be intentional about it every single day. Amen? So in this series, we're talking about how do we move from here to there? How do we move from here to there? And we talked in week one about figuring out where we are. Then we talked about using God's word as the roadmap. Which way do I go? Then we talked about, am I getting close? Am I getting close to God? Am I, am I learning how to be a disciple, to look like Jesus? And this week's title, I will tell you right after the scripture. Um, Galatians 2.20, we have Paul here. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The key I want you to pick up in that text is, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the title of this week's message is, Am I Lost? And not lost in the sense of maybe some of those wild-eyed people that you might see at the theme parks that, that look scared. But I'm talking about being lost in a relationship with Jesus where I'm letting myself go, and I'm choosing to be lost in him, to be lost in Jesus. So let's pray the prayer we prayed every week of this series together. If you'll repeat this after me, this is from Proverbs 30. Just prepare our, our hearts. Listen, guys, like, hear me on this. This word today will shift your life if you'll let it in. But you're responsible for your heart. So you have to make a choice as we're praying this prayer to open up my heart, to quiet all the distractions, 
to anything that would try to choke out or crowd out this word, we don't want it in here because we need to hear and receive God's truth. Amen? So let's pray this together. God, there are two things I'm asking. Empty out of my heart everything that's false, every lie, and every crooked thing, and give me neither undue poverty nor undue wealth, but rather feed my soul with the measure of prosperity that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about this movement from looking like Jesus to being lost in Jesus. What does it take? The first step is that we have to deal with last week. We have to get rid of the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, the cares of this life. Again, the responsibility is what? Our soil, right? God's throwing seed. Satan's throwing seed. We're responsible for the soil. So... In Luke 8, I'm going to mention a couple of scriptures from, uh, from today, Luke and Matthew, about the same account, the same parable we've been talking about. And if you're not familiar with this, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels because they all talk about some of the same similar you know, incidents, events, you know, parables, stories. But I want you to see it this way because if you don't know this, sometimes it can feel confusing to shift gears a little. But what you need to know about this is we're talking about three disciples who saw and experienced things from different perspectives. Just like if you were at a car accident and there were five people watching it, they would all have a slightly different account of what happened based on what they saw. That's a similar comparison I would use to this. What's amazing about the Bible, though, is that you have these very different men from very different walks of life, and there's no contradictions in the word. There's just some of them that may have been closer to, you know, to Jesus in the teaching or heard something that one of the other guys didn't catch because they were distracted or whatever. But you see, as you read the Gospels, they, they, they color it in, the picture together. So I want you to just know that as we kind of work in today, because I'm using a few scriptures from those other accounts talking about that same parable that we've been sharing, okay? So Luke 8, verse 15, but the ones that fell on good ground, we're talking about our good soul, our fourth soul, having heard the word with a noble and a good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. And again, Mark's account says 30, 60, 100 fold. So this passage, if you look at it from the perspective of the message, the way we're going to take this on today, it clearly says that good ground is a good heart, right? Good ground is a good heart. And we're talking about being lost in him, about um, how do I stay lost in him? I got I to gotta get lost. <laughs> you know, everybody been lost before? <laughs> um, I'm here ter terrible directions, so that's my life story, but... Um, but I want to be lost in him. And losing my life doesn't mean living a life devoid of fun. Um, now, some of the way that we were, you know, we, we grew up in different circles and Christendom in a you know, certain denomination, there, there wasn't a lot of fun sometimes. Because <laughs> there were a lot of rules that had been interpreted by the powers that be that dictated what we did or didn't do. But I want to talk to you about three truths today that we're going to take on as we unpack this word, am I lost? And the first truth is that I have to lose my life, that I have to lose my life. And you could subtitle this if you want, having a holy heart. Matthew 16, 25 says, for whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Find it. We have a decision to make, and I want to make this as clear as I can to you today. We have a decision. Are we going to lose or give our life to God? Or are we going to lose or give our life to the enemy? That is the choice. There's not a third option. The problem is we live in a, a society that thinks that you can have it your way. That you can do what you want to do, live your truth, whatever, that, whatever the phrase is. Let me, let me just be very clear with you. To choose your way is choosing his way. He just wants you to think it's your way. But it leads to death. And that's what this scripture is telling us, is that you, can, you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But 
whoever loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. And not only find it, but an abundant one. And that's what I mean by, you know, having, having fun in the Christian life is talking about an abundant life. If you don't understand that, you have probably been doing it wrong. <laughs> really. Um, so what does that look like, Pastor Mark, to lose my life for him? Let's talk about that. Leviticus 20, 26. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. And I've mentioned this in the series before, but to be holy, this is a word, I'm going to spend just a minute or two on this with you because I think you need to understand what it really means. Because many, many times the way that we're brought up or the way that we're, we see things shape our realities. And being holy literally just means to be set apart, to be different, right? To be consecrated or dedicated. And we want a set apart heart. And that just means moved over in proximity from something to another place. It's kind of like when my mom makes her homemade yeast rolls. Um, when they come out of the oven, we set them apart <laughs> because they are holy. <laughs> and you put a little butter and honey in those things, and it'll change your life. <laughs> right? We literally set them apart <laughs> because if the kids get them, there's none left for us. But... Um, but there's value expressed there, that God values us. He loves us. He wants us set apart. What holy means is to be different, to be set apart from the world because we belong to him. What holy doesn't mean is what I want to spend a second on. It doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean you have it all together. Um, what holy is not is being perfect or trying to be perfect. It's also not holier than thou, which is sometimes where I think the misnomer, the misunderstanding of that word is, is when people start using the word holy, they associate it to things that, like I grew up with, with people that were in faith that had that, that name and utilize that terminology. And you start seeing, you start thinking that holy means weird. You know, or holy means you have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or conform to a bunch of, you know, man-made rules. That is not holy. That is holier than thou. That is not God's commandment. That's not his instruction to us. And so I, I want to use a specific example from Scripture that, you know, if you want to talk about someone who hated religious people, I say hate, strongly disliked religious people, because Jesus couldn't hate, but... He strongly disliked them, and they frustrated him. Jesus could not stand the Pharisees. And we, we deal with this uh, ideology so much, I want to kind of show you this in Scripture. It's real important. Um, from Matthew 15, the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress, listen, the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. All right, you understand many of the disciples were fishermen. How many fishermen do we have in the room today? Okay, there's more of you than that. Come on, how many? Yes, thank you, thank you. All right, Pastor Marty and I and my dad and my granddad, we grew up fishing. And when we were at Pop's Ponds, I can remember us casting the rod out there, baiting our hook, you know, putting all the, the stuff on there. You know, on the catfish pond, we'd use Catfish Charlie and... Yeah, that stuff was awesome. Um, but we'd cast out there and we'd fish. And as we got our bait out in the water, we'd reach down into our lunchbox and grab our sandwich and take a bite. <laughs> you all know you've done it. <laughs> but I can just see in this, this story Jesus laughing to himself because he's like, yeah, they're fishermen. But notice what they said. Your disciples transgressed the tradition of the elders not the word of God. They had built 630 some odd rules out of the Ten Commandments. That's religion. We all have had experience with religion. It gives death. It creates death. You remember the example I gave you last week or the week before about the woman that the Pharisees had brought out to stone to death. The law required death. 
their law, their interpretation of it. What Jesus was saying is, I give life. You have to understand the distinction between being holy and being religious. And what Jesus was saying here in the next verse down, this is verse seven, he said, hypocrites. I told you he loved them. <laughs> emphasis added. That was my own emphasis. That was not in the text. Well, did I say a prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is where? Far from me. We talked about in week one, the Pharisees thought they were here, but they weren't even on this map. He just said it. You honor me with your mouth, but your heart's far from me. And in vain, they worship me. What they were doing didn't even connect to God. It was all for show, in vain. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus called them out on it. You're teaching as if they were doctrines these commandments of men. And I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm not hating on any particular denomination or affiliation, but there, you know, when you get into religiousness, you see a lot of rules and no relationship. Because they think if I can follow all the rules, then somehow that magically transports me into relationship. And it doesn't. The law leads to death. So it doesn't matter, according to my Bible, how much makeup I wear or don't wear, or what you know, link skirt I wear or don't wear, or you know, what, maybe not me personally, but you get the point. <laughs> maybe that would matter, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't matter if I have a tattoo or I don't have a tattoo, or what, you know, pick your example. What Jesus is saying here is, you guys have made a bunch of commandments that weren't from God and made them your gospel and made them your truth, your way. I'm talking about losing your way. Um, it continues on. His disciples came to him and said, you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Huh. You think Jesus was concerned? Oh, my. I sure didn't mean to offend them. Um, religious people are very easily offended, by the way. Especially with the things I'm saying in this message. If they're religious, or if you, if you have any religiousness left in you, it probably already tweaked a little bit. <laughs> we kill it here. I'm just telling you. If you heard Pastor Marty preach or anybody, we kill religion here. And Jesus is the example. So if anyone wants to hate on it, he's telling them, it's your doctrine, not mine. Right? Um, Jesus continues, and he's talking, the disciples come to him and say that you've offended them. And he said, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both fall in the ditch. If you try to do it your way, they were trying to do it their way. It wasn't God's way. If you try to do it your way, you will end up in the same ditch, though. So if you're trying to get to God through religion or being holier than thou, it's, it's garbage to God. He wants a relationship with you, not a rule follower. Yeah. And Jesus is trying so hard in this example to get the disciples to see this. And so as, as he finishes this discourse in verse 15, it says, do you not yet understand whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated, but those which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man for, listen, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that defile a man, not unwashed hands. That's what he's saying. Um, do you, did you know that your heart can think? Your thoughts, the thoughts you dwell on up here make their 18-inch journey down into here. And I learned yesterday, uh, my friend Eric uh, told me this. Uh, I had to look it up, and so I did. <laughs> but did you know that your heart has a brain? It's called heart brain. Revelation, I know. <laughs> but literally, there are neurons and neurotransmitters that sit on the top of your brain, and they, they resemble the function of your natural cranial brain. Matter of fact, research shows that there's more communication that comes from your heart to your brain than from your brain to your heart. 
Did you know that your soul and your spirit live in your heart? Why is it that when you see things that are uh, upsetting that it hurts your heart? Your brain's not hurting. It's your heart that hurts. Because our heart is an important, we're talking about the heart, guys, soil, right? All series long. We're talking about the heart. We, the heart is so critical because we all get the thoughts, okay? Every one of us. We have the decision to make, though, whether we let it sink into the soil. It's our responsibility to guard the soil. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Saying the same thing. If you think it in your heart, the heart thinks. You allow it into your heart, you see all the fruit that's produced from it good or bad. You dwell on God's word, God's seed, you produce this. You dwell on Satan and his seed, bitterness, anger, envy, strife, whatever that is, jealousy, all this crap grows. It's, but it's the same soul, Pastor Mark. Yep, it is. We have a choice. It doesn't get past here, right? Um, so what does that practically mean? It just means that the Lord gets to pick what's planted. I'm giving up my rights to the soil. He only plants good things. So if I, if I we're talk, remember I talked about trust in that transition. Trust means that I'm going to allow him to plant and trust the fruit that'll come from it. But you got to open up your heart. And you got to allow the soil of your heart to be soft where you can put the seed in and it grows and takes root, his word. But we don't have a right in that scenario. If we truly give our heart to God, we truly give him dominion there, we don't have a right to grow Satan's seed or fruit, bitterness, anger, lust, envy, all the things we talked about last week, deceitfulness of riches, cares of this world, desires for other things. If we give it up to him, we lose our life, lose our way to Jesus, we give that to him. But then he only plants good things. It's a no-lose proposition. We, we give up control. We trust him. He plants good things. Amen? Second key is that I have to lose my way. I have to lose my way. Remember, we're talking about how do I stay lost in God? How do I, how do I keep my soil for him, cultivate it for him. Keep out the bad stuff, the bad seed, let in the good stuff. How do I stay lost in God? Lose my way. And you could subtitle this point, having an humble heart. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His ways are higher does that mean they're unattainable? Does that mean they're out of reach? No, what it means for us is that he sees ahead of us. He sees what we can't see. We can do it our way. We're talking about the way here. His ways are not our ways. But we have, if we have to settle, is God's way good? Yes. So if it's good, then I have to yield control of my way to him. And I have to steer by what he tells me. Remember, this series, I've been talking a whole lot about Jesus keeps saying this, this phrase, have eyes to see and ears to hear. We're not talking naturally, we're talking supernaturally. I've got to see in my spirit that God's way is better than mine. And I've got to allow his way to be my, my way. If he says, Mark, I want you to go there, it may, God, that doesn't look, that doesn't look like a way. It's the way. I trust, I got to trust him. Mark, I want you to be a pastor. Mm, that doesn't look good over there, God. <laughs> this way looks better, <laughs> right? And God's like, yeah, trust me. Yep, all right. <laughs> Closing my natural eyes, walking by my spiritual eyes. But that's the point I want you to see from that. Um, John 14, 6, 6 says, who is the way? right? Jesus said, I am the way. 
He's the way. The truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. We can't get to the Father any other way than Jesus. Can we get there through Buddha? Can we get there through Allah? Or Zenu, the Scientology God? We, there's only one way. And we get to pick it. It's our choice. But Jesus makes it very clear, I'm the way. Any other way isn't his way. There's lots of other ways. But the only way to eternal life through an abundant life, for an abundant life in him, is to choose him as the way. So if Jesus is the way, why do so many of us continue to choose our own way? Isn't that frustrating? For all of us, like, you know, it's like Paul, you know, I do what I don't do, I don't do what I want to do. It's, it's our struggle here, but guys, the, the key to this whole thing we've been talking about is found in our heart, our surrender of our heart. Because let's be honest, we've all done it our way and tried to put God's name on it. How many have ever had a relationship where you're like, I know this is God's will, it's got to be God's will. <laughs> this is the one, oh my God, it's the one, Jesus. <laughs> And you tell everybody that God sent them, and then it's a holy, unholy mess, whatever. And then you see that person like five or 10 years down the road, and you sing that Garth Brooks song, Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayer. Okay. I had that experience several years ago. I ran into somebody that I knew in high school that I had a crush on at one point, and I talked to him for a little bit, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. Woo. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. His way is better. His way led to Elena. That was a good way. That way would have been bad. Um, the truth is if we, <laughs> we will lose it all if we do it our way. Remember the scripture we just shared, if we try to save our life, we lose it. So what's our problem? Isn't that a good question? What's, what's our problem? You ever ask anybody that? Hey, what's your problem? I'm, I'm going to help you today. I'm going to tell you what your problem is. Because <laughs> the same problem I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus is talking here, again, the same parable. This is Matthew, verse 15 of chapter 13. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Here he goes again talking about the ears and the eyes. The ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes have closed, that lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Jesus said, the hearts of the people have grown dull. Look that word up yesterday. Dull means lacking interest, lacking of its excitement, maybe lack of passion, blunt, hardened. We're talking about soil. Their hearts are hard. The seed can't get in. And Ezekiel 36, verse 26 is the promise. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone, this hard heart that we all start with. I'll take that heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh that's soft, that's malleable, that can receive the seed. One of the primary root causes of a dull, hard heart, and I, there, there are others, so like this isn't exhaustive, but this is a main one that we as human beings on planet Earth deal with all the time. One of the main diagnoses, if you will, of a hard heart is pride. Oh, y'all got nervous. <laughs> I could feel it. <clears throat> pride. Um, you see it obviously so clearly in the Pharisees because, as I mentioned in this series, they have the Messiah in front of their face, but they can't see him and they can't hear him. We all know those people, right? Have you, do you know I know it all? If they're in this room, do not look at them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody know I know it all? Quietly to yourself, yes, I'm aware. A know it all, you can't do anything with them because you can't tell them anything they don't already know. And how frustrating is it, if you're like me, to be in front of a know-it-all and know that you have new information they couldn't possibly know, and you tell them, and they go, yeah, I knew that. And you're like, you did not know that. <laughs> There's no way you could have known that. <laughs> Anybody had that experience? All right. There's, 
no room for know-it-alls in the kingdom. I mean, you got, we got to repent, okay? We got to repent. There's room at the cross. Um, those people are exhausting. The Pharisees were exhausting because they knew everything. Um, I want you to receive this scripture. And, and if, if you have, like, honestly, guys, we all deal with pride. So just let's be honest. We all deal with it. So let's all take this in, in the measure that, it, you know, that it's meant to be measured out to you. But if this is something you struggle with, I want to give you this picture that we see in Proverbs 16. Your boast becomes a prophecy of future failure. The higher you lift up yourself in pride, the harder you're falling disgrace. I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to stay humble. I want Jesus to keep my heart pride hard. Humble, soft. You need to see that picture. If the word's not getting in, you may have a pride problem. And that's not a mean-spirited comment. It's just a reality that we all deal with. We have to humble ourselves to receive the seed. If our heart is hard, you can't get nothing in that stuff. You see that? The way up in the kingdom is down on our knees. Every knee is going to bow. You can choose to take this short little journey right here, or you can fall from a high height. But every knee is going to bow. I'd rather take the little short road to my knees. Anybody else agree with me there? Losing my way starts with humility. If I'm going to lose my way, it starts with humility. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the high and lofty, exalted one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. What's that saying? I, God's saying, I dwell in a high place with a person with a low heart. Because we can hear him. We can receive his word. We're teachable. We can be led. As a leader in church, I can tell you some of the most difficult circumstances at times, you're trying to lead people that don't want to be led because they already know it. And you're trying, you're trying to help them, you know, and you, hey, let's sit down and talk about it. And like, I got it, I got it. I'm like, no, you don't. It's going poorly, <laughs> you know. You have to humble yourself. If you're wondering why, because this has been an experience of mine, why at times I, I have trouble or you have trouble hearing the revelation of God in the scripture or hearing the voice of God in your prayer time, this may be an obstacle. Because if our hearts are hard, it's really difficult to get the word of God in our heart or the God of the word in our heart. Because our soil is, this is our responsibility. It's the key to the whole series, guys. If you're getting nothing else I'm talking about, recognize that you got to own the soil. It is yours. But the awesome thing about it is that it's a very easy progression. It's a very easy journey if we'll just walk in humility, be teachable, be someone that can receive truth, not be the person like, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. No, you don't. Are y'all quiet because it's good? Are y'all quiet? <laughs> You're like, we're absorbing all that. <laughs> God says, I dwell in a high place with a low heart. The last key, we got to have to have a good heart to cultivate and maintain good soul. We're talking about how do I stay lost in God? How do I get lost in God? Is I have to lose my sight. I have to lose my sight. You could subtitle this, having a heavenly heart. To live a life that's focused on eternity and not on the world. Because that's, that's that picture of looking at things in the temporal, natural sense. Jesus wants us to use our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears. We have to look at eternity. This world will pass away and everything in it. It matters this much in the grand scheme of the timeline of our life. But it matters so much as to what happens on the other side of this life and the people that we affect along the way. So Matthew 6.20 says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
We're supposed to be laying up treasures there. How many understand you've never seen, you know, the, after, after the funeral, a, a carriage come down from heaven and pick up with a U-Haul and take it to heaven? It doesn't, doesn't work that way. Because when you leave here, all this stuff stays here. God wants us heavenly-minded, a heavenly heart, focused on eternity, what's beyond here. Because all this stuff, it doesn't matter. Having stuff, like we talked about last week, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, none of that stuff carries beyond this life. You leave it. We have to have a heavenly heart. We've got to be looking ahead. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And we've, we've mentioned this before, but the kingdom is always upside down. Does that sound confusing? When you're talking about don't look at things that are seen, oh, they're right there. I mean, literally, the point that's being made here by Paul is don't look and put trust and wait in what I see here. Put my trust and wait in what's over there in the kingdom in heaven. That's the point. That's what we should be focusing on. Because what's seen here is very temporary. It doesn't last. It's burned up in the fire just like that. But those things in heaven, those are eternal. We will, can you fathom living in eternity? You'll never pass away. We're spiritual being have a very, having a very temporary physical journey. But the enemy would like us to think this is it. He wants us to think that this is what it's all about, living the American dream. It's not God's dream. And that doesn't mean that you can't be blessed and have nice things. God wants to take care of you. But our pursuit can't be there. Our pursuit has to be forever on him. So when we set our mind to meditate on eternal things, they become thoughts of the heart, and we can understand the kingdom. We can understand the supernatural things. When we set our mind on temporary things or natural things, we're not able to understand those things because our heart's hard. We can't take it in. We can only see what's naturally in front of us. So have any of you ever had regret in your life? All right, I know there are more hands than that, so I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just going to assume it's all of us, okay? But listen, I want you to hear this. We can't look back. The enemy wants to keep us looking back. I remember that. Uh, you did that thing. It's going to totally invalidate your future. So sorry. It's not the kingdom. Isn't that amazing? that the bad decisions we make, the hard things we go through, they don't determine our outcome because God can always put us right back on track. He can reset the game board. But we have to choose to lose our sight and start from here looking forward with his sight. Um, I want to share this example because it was so, so cool. It was something Mike shared with me yesterday. But when you're, when you're talking about losing your sight, investing in things that are eternal, living in abundance, growing, choosing to grow. Um, in our life groups last year, Mike was leading a, a marriage group. And how many of you know uh, Glenn and Edna Fowler? They're kind of mom and pop here at the church. They helped us start this church. They've been married 71 years. Married, not alive. Married 71 years, attending a marriage life group. Why would they do that? Because they're not done. They haven't finished, yeah. They see what we all need to see, that there's never a place that you're finished. For them, in that example, they're still looking for ways to be closer together, to love each other better, right? But do you think any of the people in that life group could have gleaned some pearls of wisdom from them? 
I know I could. But what, is, what does that look like? They've, they've lost their life, their way, their own sight. They're looking at the long game for each other. You see them serving here and giving here all the time. It's been the hardest thing for them not to be here in a service regularly because they love, they'll sit right there. They'll praise, they'll worship, they'll go out there and greet, they'll serve. They're not done. They could retire. They could quit. But that's a challenge I want us all to kind of take on from here is that all of what we're talking about in this series and today, we're talking about losing our life, losing our way, losing our sight. We're replacing it with God's way, with his sight. And so I've saved the very best news of this whole message and series for right now in this moment. Are you ready? Well, are you really ready? You are. I can tell. I'm going to share two scriptures, and I'm going to drop the bomb on you. You'll pick up on it probably as I read these. But this is the truth of the kingdom. We're talking about growing. We're talking about these parable of the soils. The soil is our responsibility. We're talking about the God's always sowing seed. Satan's always sowing seed. Our responsibility for it. Mark chapter 4, this is the parable and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man... Now, this is a parable, actually, two, two, two parables later, but it's so good how it applies to what we've been taking in this whole series. It's the parable of the seed. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, after that the full grain in the head. But when the, gri- the grain ripens, immediately pulls the, uh, puts the sickle because the harvest has come. Isaiah 55, 10, the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Amen. So what is God saying to us? He's saying, if we will tend to our soil, if we will receive the word of truth, if we will cultivate our soil. So as we make this, this is a journey, remember, we're making a a journey, a path with Jesus. As we go through this, this is what's crowding out the word. We'll allow the Holy Spirit that'll partner with us and remove the rocks. Because what's happening here is we have good soil, it's just really shallow. It's hard to get a root down. So the Holy Spirit will help us remove the rocks and make the soil fertile and deeper. And then we move to the thorns, the things we talked about last week. And God will give us our heavenly shears. <laughs> and we'll go through here and we'll take the, the cares of this life and desires for other things and the deceitfulness of riches and we'll trim that crap out of our garden. Amen? Now, suddenly we have fertile soil that God's word can get in that it can root in. And what happens that we're talking about today is losing our way, losing our life, losing our sight. When we yield to him, this is what happens. He produces fruit. God's word produces fruit. And that example, here's what I want you to see. When I was growing up with my pop, when Marty and I were out there helping him put the seed in the ground, he would till it up, and then we'd go through the rows, and he'd give us the seed packets, and we'd put those seeds into it. He'd say, no, no son, put, you know, put your finger down there and knock a little hole in there and drop that seed in and cover it up. And guess what I never, ever saw my pop do? Come out the next day and go, grow! <laughs> never saw him do it. Why? Pop took care of the soul. He cultivated the soil, oxygenated the soil. He watered the soil. He opened up the the ground, put the seed in. And what happened from there? God caused the seed to grow. And a little while longer, we had these little shoots up. And they would grow into stalks of corn and all the things that you see in a garden. But it wasn't our effort. What I want you to get from that is we don't make it grow. 
we have a responsibility to cultivate our soil and keep our, our hearts soft and humble and open. I was talking about trust earlier. We have to trust him. Trust him that if we'll, we'll do this, we'll do our part, he'll grow amazing things. Amen? Go ahead and stand. You guys receive God's word? Amen. So here's my challenge to you, Pathway Church. You've now been given some pretty amazing seed, the seed of God's word. James talks about not being a hearer of the word only, but being a doer of it. You now have to do something with it. Just as I've taken some steps of faith you know, over this last several weeks to, to preach my first series, I can tell you on the front end, it looked a little scary to me. But guess what happened? As I trusted God and started making steps, God gave me the grace I needed to do it. And he'll do the same for you because I don't get a special deal. So let's bow our heads. Let's be a doer of his word. Produce much fruit. So Lord, we just give you all that we are. And if there's anyone here that maybe they're in the Exploring God group, that each week they've been learning about, exploring a relationship with you, maybe they've seen that there's some stuff in their life that's crowding out peace, that's choking out the goodness that only you can bring with the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this life, just all the, the, the stuff. And they want to receive your grace. And they want to move from exploring God to beginning with you, to giving you all that they are, to losing their own way, to be lost in you and not doing it theirs anymore. If that's any of you here in this room and you'd say, Pastor Mark, I just want you to pray for me because I want to make that step today. Just lift your hand. Let me pray for you where you sit, where you stand. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? I want to make that move. I don't want to stay still anymore. I want to receive God's grace, his salvation. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. If that's you, I want you to pray something like this with me. You've made the most amazing step. In many cases, it's the hardest step because we have to admit that we can't do it our way anymore, that I need God's help. I want his way. So if that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer with me, something like it. Jesus, I give you all that I am and all that I'm not. Forgive me for my past mistakes, the things that have kept me away from you, the things that have been stumbling blocks in my life. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive the blood that you gave on that cross for me to wash me white as snow, to cleanse me. And I commit to do my best every day from here forward to walk with you, to do it your way, by your side, with your truth. I want you to be my savior, my Lord and my very best friend, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a praise for those that made that decision this morning. <laughs> Guys, it never gets old. We should never get over being saved either, right? I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come, and if, if this series has prompted you in any way you need prayer, if there's uh, maybe a physical need or something you're dealing with, these are the people that you want praying for you. Um, so as I dismiss, anybody can come forward. If you raised your hand to receive Jesus for the first time today or to recommit your life to him, I especially want to invite you to come down because we have a free Bible to give you and we want to pray with you. Um, but if you need anything at all, now is the time to come right after I pray. I just want to bless you as you leave. Father, we thank you for your word. We choose to be doers of the word, Father, not hearers only. We'll trust you.
every step of the way. So Father, I pray your blessing over this people. Those that are in the room online or that will hear this later, that your face would shine upon them, that you be with them in their coming and in their going, and that your blessing would literally chase them down and overtake them. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Give God one more big praise. Just remember, we got baptism next week, so if you need to register, do that. If you need prayer, now's the time to come, but otherwise, be very safe out there. Know that we love you, and don't miss next week. The best is yet to come. Love you guys.